Now podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 176 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about the treatment of the arthritic knee. We're just going to piggyback this off of episode 175. We'll be talking about different diagnoses you should rule out when you suspect somebody has an arthritic knee. We'll be talking about discussing who needs a total knee replacement. We'll also discuss how do we optimize function when you have an arthritic knee. We'll be discussing treatment options and so much more. But if you don't mind holding just for a moment, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Welcome back. So when it comes to knee arthritis, this was interesting. Like many years ago, patients used to come see me and basically tell me that they were told by their surgeons that um, they should go on as long as they possibly can with their arthritic knee until they absolutely can't stand it. I've actually had patients tell me that that their doctors told them, when your leg is dragging behind you, then come see me and we will do a total knee replacement. Well, I have my own thoughts on this, and uh, and I'm going to be totally honest today when I when I talk about this because I I see some people still do this, um, but it seems like people are getting and having these total knee replacements done a little bit earlier now. Um, we know that having a total knee replacement is equivalent to living longer. Okay, people are more active, they function more, they have less comorbidities when they can be more active. When that knee is hurting, they're not walking as much, they're not doing stairs, squatting, not exercising, and therefore become much more deconditioned. Um, We know that when you have pain and swelling, and this is especially important in the knee, when you have pain and swelling, This is directly related to reflex inhibition. So that quad shuts down and it's a powerful muscle and it shuts down significantly more so than other muscle groups. But it does happen in other muscle groups, but in the knee, it is really significant. So you get this pain, you have the swelling associated with the arthritis, the quad shuts down, it starts to not function as well, the kneecap is not tracking as well, and therefore there's there's pain and loss of function. And so... You know, I'm a I'm a big believer in trying to 
keep as strong as possible and go as long as you can before you have a knee replacement because some people will wear out that that knee replacement before they die and then they have to have it done again. But on the other hand, you know, you need to look at quality of life and you need to look at longevity which is associated with, you know, good activity and function and exercise. Um, I'm also a big believer in prehab, you know, trying to do therapy and trying to be active before having surgery. Now, it's interesting because we've had some people come in for prehab and they do so well that they decide they're going to hold off on surgery and that they are doing better, they're stronger, they can function better, and therefore they hold off a bit. And there are some people who just don't do well uh, and uh, and they are ready for a knee replacement. They have so much arthritis and so much loss of motion and pain with everything uh, that they have to have it done. Um, but if that person doesn't succeed conservatively, they'll at least be a little bit stronger, maybe a little more flexible, they will be confident in the rehab process and comfortable with where they go for rehab. And we have found this, that people who have prehab do significantly better afterwards than those who don't. And in my opinion, the big part here is that they understand how to do a quad set, how to do a straight leg raise. Um, They are also comfortable with the environment that they're in. A lot of people who have never been to therapy before and have a knee replacement done come in and they hear these horror stories from their their friends and their families saying, oh my gosh, therapy was so painful. It was unbelievable. It was unbearable. And I just didn't, I couldn't continue doing it. And, you know, there is this whole you know, scare tactic almost you know, associated with that. And that can make a person really apprehensive. So meeting with the, the patient preoperatively and doing some treatment and and getting them functional, teaching them some of those exercises will definitely make them much more comfortable. So psychologically, they actually do better afterwards. And I think that is really the bigger part of why people uh, respond better after surgery if they've had prehab. Now, in regards to treating the arthritic knee, let's talk a little bit about that today because I think it, I think it should be done. I think it needs to happen. Uh, when you first see somebody with a, an arthritic knee, you want to make sure that you rule out other issues like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, gout, and any of these other you know uh, inflammatory conditions that affect the joints. Now, these folks typically do better with anti-inflammatories. They just seem to have a little less inflammation, which uh, in turn leads to a little less pain and therefore a little bit better function. Now, one of the things that we've noticed is that, you know, patients with arthritis typically don't respond very well to ice, okay? So ice is a pain reliever. Ice does not get rid of inflammation or doesn't get rid of swelling, but it is in a pain reliever. Now, some folks will do well with ice, but most people don't. I find that, you know, even though there's a little bit of swelling, a little bit of inflammation, we do heat and they feel much more comfortable. You can relax all those surrounding structures around the knee and heat does not increase swelling considerably because heat really doesn't penetrate much more than two centimeters uh, below the skin. So I'm not worried about heating the arthritic knee. I don't think that it causes any issues whatsoever. And I've been doing it for many years with good success. Um, I also have this very frank conversation with my patients, you know, and I tell them, I, I may not be able to change this destroyed joint surface that you have. As a matter of fact, there is no way to change that unless you do a knee replacement. But what I can do is 
help change the soft tissue tightness around the joint and optimize the strength of the musculature surrounding the joint to give it better stability. So, you know, you wonder why a joint breaks down and oftentimes it's because of a weakness an abnormal amount of uh, excessive motion in the knee, you know, just like somebody who has an ACL deficient knee is at higher risk of developing knee arthritis. And uh, we have seen this or people who have had maybe a meniscectomy. And in the past, like when I had my meniscectomy done about 20 years ago, um, they took out a lot of it. Like they took out about 60% of my meniscus. And even prior to that, they used to do a complete meniscectomy where they took the whole meniscus out. Well, those knees become a little less stable and they, they break down faster. And so there's nothing we can do about that that joint that is destroyed, but we can certainly work on the scenario around it. We can talk about, you know, gait activities and we can talk about properly using an assistive device or activities that they should or should not do. So there's a lot of education that goes into this that can be very helpful to the patient. Uh, you know, it's important that these folks get to an orthopedist and they, they get the right types of x-rays. So just having a plain x-ray in the non-weight bearing position is not always the best. Uh, I like to uh, see patients have the Rosenberg view or a, or a standing weight bearing x-ray so that you can actually see how close that bone on bone situation is. And, uh, you know, getting some baseline x-rays and then following up and seeing what the progression is like sometimes can be helpful. One of the other things that I have started doing with my uh, knee arthritis patients is a little blood flow restriction therapy. Now, you know, obviously we want the patients to be stronger, but sometimes you can't push them hard enough to get stronger because there's too much discomfort in the knee joint or um, it's too much compression on the joint itself. So what I've been doing is using blood flow restriction with very, very light weight and high repetitions and getting that same metabolic response and uh, getting some, some really decent results from that. Uh, and interestingly enough, I've had patients come in where we start blood flow restriction and they'll say after a visit that, you know, their swelling went down and they felt this fairly significant relief of discomfort um, after their first visit. So it's been kind of an interesting modality to start using, but the, you know, with the problems of, of too much weight bearing and pushing really hard uh, causing issues, blood flow restriction can be a great way to um, you know, get those people stronger without all the extra weight and pressure. Um, you know, aquatic therapy is great for people who have arthritic hips and knees. It takes weight off the joint and you can still work against the turbulence of the water, which I think is great uh, for strength training. And then you have the compression of the water on the joint, which can help decrease swelling because we know that compression and elevation are the best ways to relieve swelling. And so, you know, aquatic therapy is definitely a benefit. And I, I encourage all those who can um, do aquatic therapy to do it. And even if they have to be on their own home program, that's great. Uh, here in northern Maine, we don't do aquatic therapy for about eight months out of the year because uh, during COVID right now, none of the uh, pools are open and all the bodies of water are frozen about uh, three feet thick with ice. And so uh, that's not going to happen, but they can definitely cool their joints out while uh, being on the ice, that's for sure. Um, and so where do we go from here? Well, as far as clinical tests go, you know, like people have 
We have all these special tests that we can do for a meniscus tear, for ACL tear, for rotator cuff tears, and all these special tests, but there are really no good special tests for the arthritic knee. It's really all about good clinical observation, you know, uh, medial joint line tenderness and bowing of the leg. And we discussed this in our last podcast, you know, the swelling, the effusion, uh, the enlarged patella. And all of these things are, are very classic signs and symptoms. And that's really the best way to identify if somebody has arthritis in the knee. You'll also get some crepitus and, uh, you know, always, typically a loss of motion into extension and flexion. And so you don't need to go through a lot of, uh, you know, clinical testing. It's really about, um, you know, observing their motion and their function and listening to the patient. And so, you know, when that patient gets to a point where they feel like they're starting to slow down, they're starting to sit more, they're not standing as much, maybe they're using a a cart, that an electric cart to go to Walmart to do their shopping, and they become less active, I think that's the time to consider a knee replacement. Now, knees can be injected. Uh, that is, that's fine. That can be very helpful, and, and sometimes uh, that'll buy patients three, four, five, six months, and uh, they'll do well. But what they do need to realize now is that they can't just have an injection and two weeks later have a knee replacement. Uh, there's been some studies that show that there's an increase in uh, the chance of getting an infection if you do surgery within three months of having a an intraarticular injection. So that is something to consider, but uh, definitely can uh, be helpful with decreasing pain. Sometimes just a nice neoprene sleeve gives a little sense of stability. It improves proprioception and the compression helps to control the swelling. And some folks will do really well with that. So sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error. Um, but when, when people get to the point where uh, their function is starting to decrease and they're taking essentially fewer steps in the course of a day, I think that's when it's time to consider the knee replacement. Um, I, I don't think they need to be super old and super, super dysfunctional to have this done. Uh, my thought is you, if you have a quad that is functioning, uh, that's great. Don't go to a point where um, it is not functioning anymore and uh, it makes the rehabilitation after surgery that much harder. I find that people will get up and uh, get going after surgery a lot quicker if they do these uh, before the quad is basically shut down and all the surrounding soft tissues around the knee are destroyed um, through spurring and uh, just breakdown and lack of use. So uh, when it comes time to a uh, knee replacement, then that is placed in the hands of the orthopedic surgeon. They have those discussions with the patient, and then they move ahead uh, from there. Uh, so folks, that is uh, basically how I like to manage knee arthritis. It's a very, very common issue, and uh, we see it a lot. So I think that, uh, you know, I hope I was able to give you some ideas of what you can do with the patient pre-operatively uh, as they work their way toward getting ready to have a knee replacement. Um, folks, thank you so much for listening to OrthoEvalPal, to going to our YouTube channel and, and making comments. And I just had a great comment from a young lady who just connected with me on LinkedIn. And um, she said it helped her get through her board exams. And uh, she was able to watch a lot of these videos. They're very practical and timely, especially with special tests and how to manage things um, from a point of experience, not just from evidence. And that can be quite valuable. And uh, don't forget, folks, we do one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. Uh, that's been really fun for me. I think that uh, of all the things I do, 
probably the most fulfilling thing I do. It's fun, it's relaxed, and uh, we get to uh, do a lot of teaching and uh, some really effective learning. So uh, be sure you connect with us if you'd like to get involved with some one-on-one coaching. Uh, Folks, again, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.